Good, mor- good morning and welcome to the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. Porik is in studio, Porik. Good morning to you. Good morning, dear Dick. Yeah, good you're very good welcome. to our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Now, long uh, weekend. a long weekend indeed. I'm just going to get you to move your microphone a tiny little okay. bit that yeah, way. Yeah, so we'll get to hear you okay. just that little bit better. Yeah, super Brilliant. duper. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, we're in a bank holiday weekend and as I was saying a little bit earlier, it, uh, Penny only dropped with me, I think, on Thursday. But it is a bank holiday this weekend. For some reason in my head, I had it pushed out for to the next following weekend. weekend. Yeah, but anyway, with, yeah. With Halloween yeah, and all that. Yeah. So lots to do in the garden. And look, the weather is going to be slightly mixed. Uh, it's going to be extremely mild. And it's been so mild for the last couple of weeks. Everything is still growing really well. Um, as you know, today I have a metal in Castle Bar. I'm really looking forward to it. So as soon as I finish here on radio, I'm scooting down to Castle Bar. And as you know, um, I'm working with the Castle Bar Community Cleanup Group. And we've a children's metal. Isn't that uh, brilliant? This today, yeah. So we're going to get the kids to plant uh, 2,100 uh, biodiversity bul- bulbs. Um, so things like the, the lovely Irish uh, bluebells. And we have lots of, lots of uh, crocuses and lots of bulbs that the children are going to plant. Um, so what we're saying to people, and, and a big thanks to the presenters all week, have mentioned it here on Midwest Radio. So I think we're going to have a big crowd uh, down there. I'm only going to keep people for about an hour, so it's going to run from 11 o'clock through to about 12 o'clock. And we're going to get the children planting um, the bulbs in a lovely area at Loch Lana, uh, at the lake there. The, the, uh, the guys have actually created a little fairy walk for the kids where wow. they can walk along through the woods and overlook the lake itself and overlook the, the ducks. I was up there actually last night just um, eyeing up the area and it's a beautiful spot in Castlebar. So we're going to ask the children to meet us um, at the Loch Lana Centre there where the gym and swimming pool is in, in Castlebar. There's plenty of parking there so we're going to meet at 11 o'clock. I'll bring them down to the lake. I'll give them a little chat about biodiversity and the importance of particularly spring flowering plants for our honeybees and our bumblebees and our hoverflies and so on and get the children then get their hands dirty. Yeah. Um, now, the, the Kesselbar community group have done a brilliant job in spreading some topsoil, so it's going to be relatively easy to work. But because of the wet weather, um, the soil is quite moist. So put on your dirty clothes. I've dressed up in dirty clothes today. <laughs> you might have noticed I have the boots. You're not in, in your three-piece no, this morning. No, I'm not. I have the boots in the van. So uh, come prepared with the Wellington boots on. We're looking for primary school children in particular. It's a free event. And all we're asking is to come along, have your kind of gardening gear on and uh, maybe bring a little hand trowel or a small little spade or something to plant some of the bulbs. Um, so meet us at the Loch Lana Centre. That's where the swimming pool and the gym is at 11 o'clock today. Uh, I'll only hold you an hour. We'll have a bit of fun, a bit of crack and we get all the kids planting the bulbs. And it, it's hard to believe, but we will have... 2,100 bulbs planted within the hour. I can guarantee you that. Everybody be in and out. And what I think is particularly lovely is that all of those younger people who are going to take part in that wonderful mahal today, you know, come the springtime, exactly. they'll be able to go down there and they will see these flowers and they say, yeah, that I had a hand in I, planting that. And that will be just so lovely for it them. It will. And, yeah. and with the bulbs that I've selected are going to start flowering in f- from the start of February. And others will come into flower then in March and others will come in in April. So no matter what time over next spring that they go up for a visit, it'll either be the bluebells or the crocuses or the tate-to-date narcissi that'll be in flower. And hopefully the, the insects will be making use of those as well. So look, it's just something to get the children engaged um, today. So really looking forward to it. Um, it's a free event, as I said. It's geared towards primary school children. Obviously bring your parents along. Um, it's important to get them um, yes. 
tuned into the biodiversity as well and bring a trowel if you can. I have a couple of my own in the back of the, the van, but uh, I won't go. have one for everybody <laughs> in the audience, unfortunately. So I'm ready to go, yeah, and, and really looking forward to it. So that's from 11 o'clock today. We'll meet at the Loch Lana gym and swimming pool area, and it's a short little walk down to Loch Lana then from there. Um, so really looking forward to that. Again, the weekend, dear to this, again, you know, great gardening weather. It's been a lovely week, really, for the planting of plants. I know we've had some rain, but mm. the the soil conditions are still absolutely uh, fantastic for planting. The soil is still quite warm, so plants that are going into the soil um, are rooting very, very quickly. Um, like it's funny, I had a I had a couple of packets of bulbs myself just left on a little bit of topsoil for the last week or two, and they've already through the bag. Have they've, they they've found, they've in, found the ground? They've rooted into the soil. Yeah, so I have to get them wow. into the garden. So it's great planting weather. So the sort of things that people should be thinking about. It's still not too late to start. Um, I'm kind of mindful of people that have lifted maybe potatoes mm. or cleared out their vegetable patch. It's still a great time to put in a lot of the autumn veg, so the purple sprouting broccoli and the, the uh, cabbage um, pixie and hispe, and also things like lettuce and spinach. You'll get plants in your local garden centre, really strong plants that can be planted directly into the garden soil now or in raised beds or in containers if, if you want. Um, and they will continue to grow right through the winter and, and obviously fill up the space, but obviously be of, of use then through the late winter, spring sort of period. All the Japanese onion sets and garlics, you can still plant all of those into the garden soil. So garlic like the messy drome or the lovely purple one called germador, they can be planted directly into garden soil. Now look for the, if you're planting onions, that Shakespeare variety is a really, really good one. Or there's a lovely red skinned um, onion called electric which is really good as well so great planting weather the, we're planting bulbs obviously today so the planting mm. of bulbs can continue over the next couple, couple of weeks, weeks even in pots and containers you know I think it's a great kind of um, thing to look forward to the spring knowing that you've the, the bulbs already planted heathers too have come into flower so the lovely Kaluna heathers are flowering at the moment the heathers like garden girls they're in shades of reds and whites and pinks and purples and they're absolutely fabulous mm. and they're very weather tolerant so even if we plant them out now even if we get a bit of hard weather they still continue to flower through Christmas through Halloween, Christmas and into the spring of next year and all the winter pansies and violas cyclamen there's so many beautiful plants that are flowering now and will fl- continue to flower through the autumn's winter so if your your window boxes containers are looking a little bit drab maybe it's time to start cleaning them out now certain plants like begonias will continue on for several weeks yet and obviously continue to enjoy them but if your petunias or your boxes or containers are, are starting to go over it is a good time to consider replanting and the association of all of those spring flowering plants like the violas and pansies they're in flower now but they continue to flower but put some spring bulbs in with those as well the little short daffodils and tulips and so on for for that little bit of of colour trees are fabulous at the moment I was admiring a beautiful Mm -hmm. liquid amber um over the last couple of days we have one in the garden centre in the car park and it's absolutely stunning it it you know I was admiring it three weeks ago as it was beginning to turn I did a little video for my Facebook but but even this morning I was down there this morning and it's, the colours are even better again really? so it's actually improving as we go through the, the autumn so lovely uh, tree colour at the moment and it's still a great time to plant trees in the autumn because if you pop into your local garden centre the trees are still in leaf so you get a sense of what they're going to be like. If you leave it another month, they're all naked. It's very hard to distinguish yeah. one tree from another. So it's a really good time. But from a planting perspective, trees continue to root right through the winter period. So 
the planting of trees at this time of year, you just have a better plant, stronger plant, rather than planting it in the springtime. Same with hedging plants, if you are considering putting in hedges around your garden, this is the time of year, certainly to get the soil prepared. And as we come into November, you'll get a lot of the Beirut hedging available. So get the soil kind of prepared now, get rid of any weeds or grass that might be there. And and so it's ready for planting. The sowing of seeds. So if listeners have, um, you know, bare patches in the lawn, the conditions, again, the weather conditions and temperatures in particular are particularly suited for the sowing of seed of all plants wildflowers, uh, the sowing of lawn seed, um, even vegetable seed can still be sown directly out of doors now. The temperatures are absolutely perfect. And it's also a great time of year for propagating your own plants. So the division of plants, I think we had a couple of questions last week about the splitting up. So any of the herbaceous perennials that are gone out of flower like solidago or um, things like hostas or any of those ground covering geraniums, they all can be divided now and separated. It's also a a super time for taking the cuttings of plants. So we're often asked about taking cuttings of roses or hydrangeas or whatever. So this is the time of year. And then finally, think about indoor. So we're we're beginning to kind of thinking about, I mean, yeah. the evenings are getting a little bit, um, oh, we're losing it kind of both yeah. ends of the day, aren't we? Yeah. It's the day, the day, the morning is shorter and the evening is, yeah, 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 longer. is, is getting longer. So um, it's a good time of year to think about indoor plants because indoor plants, I think, A, they're, aesthetically they look really well in the home but also they're excreting oxygen all the time they're taking in carbon dioxide and and impurities in the air and Mm. they're releasing oxygen so houseplants and we're seeing a huge trend particularly during covid of houseplants all over the world it's not just in mayo it's all over the world people are embracing houseplants i think it might be well it's probably partly to do with the working from home for a lot of people and it's just nice to have a little bit of something in whatever space you're working you're using for the working from home whether that's a back bedroom or exactly. uh, wherever it is in the house. Yeah. yeah, And there are so many easy houseplants to grow, like the money tree, like the mother-in-law's tongue, any of the succulent plants, the cacti type plants. They need, I mean, we water once a month and you repot every five years. It's that simple. So, you know, it's such easy. And even if you neglect them for a week or two, they just bounce back again. Or Aloe a month vera. or two. Yeah, aloe vera would be a great example of that, the aloe vera plant. So think about houseplants. Um, if you do have houseplants in your garden, obviously start, or in your home, start to reduce the watering now and um, keep them in as bright a location with the day length being shorter, as bright a location as possible. Um, liquid feeding isn't necessary now, so we're kind of, they're beginning to slow back a right. little bit. Don't bother repotting them at this time of year as well. Leave that over till the springtime. So they're the type, and remember, I think I mentioned it last week, Many of the bulbs that you can plant up now, like scented hyacinths, like the paper whites, like the lovely amaryllis, and any bulb, um, you can leave it outdoors for a couple of weeks, then take it in, and they'll come into flower indoors for you as well. So you can grow a couple of the spring flowering bulbs uh, indoor for a bit of colour and a bit of scent as well. So they're the sort of things to be doing. Uh, we've got this photograph from Karina, I think it is. Hi, Karina. Good morning to you. So big uh, climber up against a wall by the looks of things there and a bit of more of a close up here. Yeah. And the question is, Pork, how do I know if this rose is a climber or a rambler? It's about 20 foot high. And how will I prune it? Well, it looks to me like a like a climbing rose. It's a uh, white it one. It's lovely. Could be, yeah, it could be climbing iceberg, which is a lovely um, mm. rose. And it's, it's growing up through ivy. There's some ivy there at the back of it as well. 
Um, so the pruning, it's 20 feet high, so prune it with great care. Um, normally with climbing roses, you, you take off at least six foot of the top of the rose. So shorten the tops all back by six foot. And then the side shoots, any side shoots that are coming off the main stems, you shorten those back to within about four inches of the main stem. So you trim the sides of the branches and you trim off the top of um, the branch by by at least uh, six feet. Mm-hmm. The um, if there are any old, damaged, broken shoots, then obviously they should be removed. Um, so take them out as well. Um, but if Karina simply just trims the top by six by six foot, trims the side shoots then back to within four inches of the main stem and cuts out any old wood, that'll totally rejuvenate the plant. The plant. Now it's still producing a little bit of flower, so maybe leave the pruning till second week of November. There's plenty of time yet. Anytime yeah, over the winter you can tackle that. That looks like a fairly a fresh flower that great, it has, yeah. Yeah, with great care. Be careful when you're when, when you're pruning it back. Okay. Now we've got a photograph in uh, from a little bit earlier Lovely. and somebody's wondering, can you tell them uh, what flower is this and can we take cuttings from it? Certainly. So this is a, a rhododendron. It's probably one of the dwarf rhododendrons, either Scarlet Wonder or Baden Baden, um, which have beautiful orangey red flowers in the springtime and you can actually see the flower buds are being produced so it's an evergreen plant dwarf rhododendron it will need acid soil lime-free soil or grow it in a pot with mm-hmm. ericaceous compost it's producing its flower buds now as as are all rhododendrons camellias azaleas all our spring flowering plants are initiating their buds as we speak so you can see the little buds they are forming um, it's difficult to propagate it from cuttings it, r- rhododendron is a notorious kind of difficult plant to propagate. What you could use is one of the rooting balls. So these are, you'll get them in your local garden centre. They're like a golf ball. They, oh, the, they fit around the, the plastic, stem. The plastic, the yeah. plastic, yeah. And it fits, you fill it with compost, it fits around the main stem of the plant and the rhododendron will root into that after about three to four months. Um, so that would be one way to propagate it. But it's a lovely little plant. It's going to come into flower for you next spring. And it'll grow away. Oh, it'll grow away as long as you put it in in ericaceous compost. Liquid feed them, particularly late summer or you know early autumn sort of period, to help initiate those flower buds and feed it with an ericaceous feed. Um, you That'll know, maybe send us a picture in next spring when it's when, when it's, it's in, in full flower. bloom. Yeah, yeah, so that'll be great. Now we have a number of different kinds of hedges in Porrick this morning uh, with problems, and I notice uh, bits of brown in between the green. Uh, here yeah. is one. Um, it looks like a, some kind of conifer. Jeez, yeah, uh, yeah. Joe is in Tume, and he's wondering if you could give your opinion on the problem uh, with the photograph. So it's kind of dead in the middle yeah. of the of the of the the plant. Yeah. So you're you're getting browning in the centre of the plant on on this particular conifer, and many conifers like Tuias and uh, Lelandii or um, the normal Cupressus will, where you see browning, is an indication that aphids actually have attacked that section of the plant during the summer period. So conifers are very slow to show up damage. So when you see the yellowing and browning, the damage has occurred possibly even the previous year right. or certainly the previous spring or, or summer. Um, so that damage uh, from Joe and Tume, that could have been caused either this spring, March, April, May of, of this year or indeed last year. So conifers can often get, when you see those kind of brown patches through the hedge, mm-hmm. it's where aphids, greenfly, have sat on the branches, they've sucked the protein, they've effectively killed the branch. And the, the brand for Joe should just prune those dead segments out and hopefully the, the green um, 
branches around that are, the well, new growth next spring will help to fill it in. Okay. But do keep an eye on them. The aphids will be quite, if you rub your hand on the plant in March and April, they'll be quite distinctive or you'll often see white little speckles because they're green the aphids it's hard to see see them them. against the leaves but you'll often see white little speckles uh, on the branches as well to that and that's an indication of them okay lovely now i had strawberry plants in a window box all summer that unfortunately weren't very productive this year what do i do with the plants for the winter do i leave the window box and are they to be left inside or outside so leave them outside that's the first thing with all strawberries so what i normally do with the strawberries once i pick the crop say by late July, early August, you cut them back to nothing. So you take the fruit, the final fruit from the plants, you shear them back and within three to four weeks they regrow with lovely new leaves and you effectively rejuvenate the plant. They need to be left out of doors then for the winter period, even though they die back and they get Mm. a bit yellow and, and a bit gnarled looking over the winter. That's just totally natural. But the cold weather during the winter initiates the flower buds, the production of flower buds in strawberries. Um, so they need that kind of chilling period, a bit of frost, a bit of hard weather, and that helps them to flower better the following spring. You can then, if you want, in March or early April, bring them into your greenhouse or tunnel at that stage and let them flower indoors because the buds would have got that cold spell. With this particular one, where they're in window boxes, because the compost is quite shallow, mm-hmm. it would be better to take those strawberry plants now, tidy them back and maybe put them into, either put them into back into the window box with fresh compost or plant them out into the garden soil, maybe in a raised bed, um, in, in, in amongst other plants or indeed in around maybe the pot. I often plant strawberries at the base of dwarf apple trees, for example, in a pot. But in a window box, they're going to have all the compost used up at this stage. So if you leave them alone, they're they're going to be, again, unproductive next year. You won't get much new growth. Yeah. So repot them back into... Uh, the window box now with a good quality compost use some of those slow release feed leave them out of doors then for the winter and they should fruit a lot better this year for you or you can plant them out into the garden soil Okay Now I know we were talking about pruning back the uh, the climbing rose there but in general rose bushes that are in gardens somebody wondering uh, are we doing that at the moment? Well if they're in flower and, and you can still enjoy a bit of colour from them allow them to continue to bloom just continue to deadhead them because it has been so mild that roses are still flower and lots of them are, have produced lots of, of new growth. And roses, it's not uncommon for them to flower up to the end of November and often up into Christmas period. Um, I've often seen on Christmas Day roses in flower. So it depends on, on how they're blooming. But if they've gone out of flower, then yes, you can certainly tide them back. Don't be tempted to prune them very severely yet because if you do, they, they'll kick into growth and on that growth, that new growth can be damaged during the winter period. So it's really, at the moment, it's just kind of a maintenance with roses, keeping them tidy. If the finish flowering, by all means, cut them back by halfway and just tidy them up and you can then give them a more severe pruning at the end of November or spring of next year. So it's just a matter of tidying them up really at this time of year. And those that are flowering, continue to enjoy them, continue to deadhead them and who knows, you, you may get you flowers for winter. a couple of weeks yet. Yeah. I mean, you saw it there on the on the climbing rose, on the iceberg rose, it was still producing the, the white flowers. It was and I have a rose in my garden now, I didn't take a whole lot of care of it this year, but it's back in flower again and actually it's as much flowers on it now as there was at any point this year. <laughs> that might be the secret to it. It might no, be. No care. No care. <laughs> well, you see, it's been so mild, the plants. Yeah. I mean, you, oh, it looks it great. Yeah, yeah, I'm very, very go. pleased with it. And begonias and certain plants are still flowering really, really well at the moment. Fuchsia is still in full flower, you know, so there's lots of plants that are still given lots of colour, so enjoy them. Okay, and when you say cut back fairly hard there, because I noticed well, this question back, is wondering, yeah. you know, how much do they take off when, when we're fully finished on the flowering? Well, well, at this time of year, say it has gone out of flower and there's no indication 
indication of flower buds going to be produced, then it's only a matter of tidying them up. So say the rose is four feet high, mm. shorten it back to two feet. Okay. So cut it back by half, but then give it a final pruning around the end of November or maybe January of next year where you're going back to within six inches of soil level and really giving it a tight pruning back. Like I said last week, the pruning of plants during the winter period stimulates new growth. And if you do it too early, the plant comes into growth too early So if you cut it really severe now, it'll produce new growth. And who knows, we could get some heavy frost or some bad weather that could damage that vulnerable new growth. So it's a tidy up really Really? at at the moment. Okay, brilliant. And now just wondering, is it okay to split and move plants such as formium, rock sand, geraniums, roses and grasses, etc.? Couldn't be a better time. So this weekend is an idle time. So formiums are the New Zealand flax and they're clump forming. They come to us from New Zealand. Um, They grow a bit like a pampas grass and they're absolutely brilliant. Now, if you want to divide them, the best thing to do with formiums is to cut them to about a foot from ground level. So get out the shears and literally cut them back to nothing. Be ruthless. Be ruthless about it. Be ruthless, be ruthless, that's the word. So cut them right back to within a foot of ground level, dig them up and split them into several pieces. One clump of formium might give you 20 new plants. Oh, They're wow. that productive, absolutely. Same with the... Now, um, Roseanne geraniums are still mm. in flower in my garden anyway. They're producing lovely blue flowers. So leave them to, to finish flowering. For, you know, leave them for maybe another three weeks. There's no urgency to divide them yet. But it is a good time in general for the division of the hardy geraniums, the ones that are left outside for the winter. Roses you can move once they go out a leaf. So you leave them until they go out a leaf. So leave them to November. And grasses in general, again, can be... Lift it, divide it and split. Plants like hostas, solidago, any of the perennial plants, delphiniums that have gone out of flower, phlox, for example, mm-hmm. super time to okay. dig them, divide them, the split them and move them. You know, pick pick a nice day to do it, a dry day that you can work the soil and, and, and you can do that division any time over the next six or eight weeks. Okay. Yeah. Don't don't make There's it no too hard. Don't make it too hard to work on yourself. You know, I often either. do it in spring. You could leave it over to springtime if you want. At any time over the dormant season, you can divide them. Now I'm doing a design on a grave with cyclamen. How oh, far apart should they be? Love the program. Yeah. So the, the, these are the outdoor cyclamen that are in flower at the moment. I would plant them six inches apart. Um, that would be more than enough. They're not going to do a whole lot of growing uh, over the winter. So whatever size they are now, if they're five or six inches in diameter, that's kind of the size they're going to be. Mm -hmm. They're going to be in flower at the moment. So putting them six inches apart would be absolutely perfect. And on a grave, you could consider maybe planting some dwarf bulbs as well, tate-to-tate daffodils or jet fire, which is a favourite of mine. They could be planted as well and they'll come back year after year. Lovely. Now, I'm doing a design... Oh, sorry, I beg your pardon. We've just done that one. Moving on. Uh, now, so we're going to an indoor plant, which you did mention uh, at the start of the programme about yeah. indoor plants, uh, Porik. So I'm do- wondering what's wrong with this particular one here. It's a photograph in from Bernie. What do you think? Have a look, good look at it there. So now. I see the soil and the pot looks fairly dark. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, would, would we be watering so a Bernie, lot? Did Bernie you s- is a little heavy handed with the watering can, <laughs> to be honest. So yeah, look, at it's getting a little bit too much water. Right. It's, this is a spider plant. Really, really easy plant to grow. Lovely in a bathroom. Um, and it produces these, the, the reason they call it the spider plant is it produces little offshoots like a strawberry plant and it has little baby Spy, like little mini spiders, little baby plants that you can propagate as well. So it's the type of plant that once you have it in your home, you'll always have it because you'll be propagating, you'll be giving bits of it away to people as well. It's a really terrific plant. It it doesn't tolerate 
wetness and and the pot the size of the plant uh, Bernie just needs to leave the plant let it dry out like, a little bit it's showing browning at the ends it's, yellowing yeah. at the ends it's just swimming in. it's just too damp okay. um, so reduce the watering and that's what I was saying at the top of the programme plants are slowing down now both outdoor plants and indoor plants I know we have the artificial heat on and you do need to keep an eye on that but in general with the low light levels plants are, are you need to reduce the watering now and the biggest killer of house plants is actually overwatering. So too much is over too much water. Yeah. It's generally you know if a plant if a house plant is underwatered, it will generally tell you by the leaves dropping yeah, by it drooping. drooping exactly and give it a drink of water and it pops back up again. But plants that are that are generally overwatered like this, the roots are rotting and it just eventually starts to slip away. So stop watering, Bernie. Stop watering and, back. and it'll it'll yeah. come into its About own. Once a month is more than enough. Right. Once a month, once every six weeks at this time of year. Will Bernie see much growth on that now over the winter? Probably um, not. If she if she cuts back on the watering, it'll actually start to green up a right. bit and it'll do a little bit of growing inside in the green in the house over the winter. But next spring it'll just burst into growth. Okay. Great. You know, it's a lovely plant, the spider plant. Real old you know, it's kind of one that I'd remember my grandmother yeah. having type of I ha- Yeah, I have one myself yeah, and I do love simple. it. And it does grow without, yeah, uh, yeah a whole lot of care. Um, now, we've got a beach hedge park. We sure do. Photograph from Gary. I'm wondering, mm-hmm. can you tell him what has happened here? There's two beach hedges, uh, two beach in the middle of the hedge as yeah. such. Uh, and they've been failing all year and they seem to be dying off. And what might I be able to replace them with? Okay, well, first of all, it's to get to the bottom of why the two... So the, so basically, the hedge is about 10 feet long or maybe 12 mm. feet long, and we've got two plants in the centre that are going yellow. Now, beech, beeches will start to go yellow at this time of year. It'll start to change. But there's a problem here, the soil. The two plants that are yellowing are right side by side. Yeah. So that's telling me there's two things that beech will not tolerate. One is wetness. If there's excessive wetness uh, along the the edge of the hedge, so if this part of the hedge was low lying or catching water or holding water, beech will not tolerate that, and they'll show that in regressive growth, yellowing of the foliage, the plants looking sickly, and they'll eventually fail because the roots will have rotted. And the other thing it could be is a root fungus. So there's a, a disease of beech called bootlace fungus, which is a when you dig up the plant, you'll see the roots will have these kind of black. Um, black kind of growth very similar to a bootlace that's how they get the name Mm. and if it's that you need to use um, a disinfectant to disinfect the soil so asking your local garden centre for a fungicide that will disinfect the soil and control that it probably is that the area it doesn't look to me like it like it the area is excessively wet Um, but definitely it's either a soil problem either heavy wetness um, or um, Or a fungal disease yeah yeah, but okay. they're definitely regressing. So, and and, and it, you can replace it with two new beech. Yeah. Once the soil is treated, or, or particularly if it's a wet area, raising the soil, putting a bit of drainage in um, and so on would, 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 would affect that. Yeah. yeah. I had a similar problem. I have a purple beech hedge in my garden. It's probably 50 feet long. And right in the centre, uh, there was a low-lying patch where the water gathered. Yeah. And like that, it went like this. But I drained it into the lawn and the plants bounce back together. And I suppose it's not always possible to see if the water is gathering, but it just is in a particular space where the soil might be just that bit wetter. Exactly. Yeah. You'll often notice it's in not the that you have time. a big flood in it or no, anything. No, or, or in wet, if you get wet weather, it, you, the water might mm. lie there for a, for a couple of hours mm. at a time. It just might be a particular spot that it holds the water. Beach or, or a tree and a plant that require good drainage. Good drainage. You know, relatively good soil, good drainage. And where they're sitting, you know, willows and alder and those will tolerate Soak it up. They'll, they'll love the water, but 
beach likes dry ground, likes good ground. Okay, great. One more and we'll take a, a quick little break. Uh, can we identify that straw that's in from Anne? Does it flower and what? when should it be pruned? So here it is. So this is a beautiful plant called Firethorn or Pyracantha. You see the lovely orange berries. It's probably a variety called Orange Glow, Pyracantha Orange Glow. It's prickly. So you mm-hmm. have the little thorns in it, a bit like white thorn. It's evergreen. It flowers in the spring. So it's got beautiful white flowers in the springtime. The bees absolutely love it. And then it comes, it produces the, the red and orange berries or yellow berries, depending on the variety this time of year. Terrific plant for a hedge. Lovely as a wall plant to grow against a wall like a climber. Um, and really the pruning is just shortening back any kind of long leggy growth that might be on the plant. So you could do a bit of tidying up now. And if you wanted, if there's any leggy growth on it. So, you know, periodically during the... Um, autumn or, or spring period you can likely cut it back obviously when it's in flower you don't want to be cutting it back because you'd, you're going to miss the it's, berries yeah. uh, but it, you just, it's just a matter of keeping it tidy so it's pyracantha orange glow a lovely little thing very easy to grow we were talking a little bit about acers earlier on this morning, Porik. Mary has one. It's in a pot. It's an acer platinum uh, and it has its leaves. Uh, it's spread a lot since she's sown it. Wondering, can she prune it back? Yes. So this is acer palmatum. Oh, palmatum. Sorry, yeah, it's, I, can't, it's, I can't read the words. It's Apologies. The Jap- My problem. I it's one of the Japanese maples. Uh. <laughs> platinum sounded Living great. now, living now, living now. <laughs> Sorry, so this, ma- sorry, it's, it's Mary. Not at all. <laughs> so this is Acer palmatum. So a beautiful plant. Um, palmatum meaning your palm. palm. Yeah, okay. the shape of your palm. And the, that's the shape of the leaf on the plant. Um, and Japanese maples are do so well in, in pots and containers. Um, you can certainly prune them back and they respond to pruning. Now, it's still in leaf and many of the Acer palmatums give fantastic autumn colour. So enjoy it while it's still in leaf. Let the autumn colour come. And then once it has dropped its leaves, say the middle of November, feel free to prune it back you can prune them quite severely back and they respond to that really well uh, so no problem whatsoever eventually you'll probably have to move it out of the pot maybe into the garden soil or into a bigger pot or whatever but lovely lovely plant lovely <coughs> um, how do we get rid of long grass growing through the heather oh it's it's uh, there used to be a great treatment for it called fuselade years ago years ago but Not that's really. gone now yeah. uh, so it's it's a yeah you just have to get a little, a little and shears got, yeah. yeah and get down and, and just take well you need to take it from the root uh, you know, otherwise, you or, or you could get those long-handled shears as well, which probably would be. Would that help? No. Well, it would. It would certainly cut it back and tidy it up. Yeah. But it's just going to grow again next season. And um, the other thing you could use is the gel, the the weed killer gel, that would be. You know, that could be used it's if you can. Yeah. So you'd put a plastic glove onto your hand, literally get the grass separated kind of from the heather with your hand and literally wipe the gel onto the the grass foliage and that will control it without damaging the heather. Okay. Now, I put down a new lawn this time last year and it grew well. The grass, though, is dying in patches. What can I treat it with? Um, well, first of all, just check that it's not um, our friends, the leather jackets or, or chafter grubs or any of the kind of soil-borne pests that might be. You're generally patching in a lawn. It can be caused by dogs as well, if you've got uh, female dogs mm. in particular. Okay. And they're, they're, there's a lot of ammonia in their urine and you get this burning effect within the lawn. Um, obviously, the dog has to be um, kept away from that area, otherwise it'll just continue. But it can also be caused, patches can be caused by pests as well. Um, so just make sure that that, or it could be just down to simply poor nutrition the soil might be just 
patchy or low in nutrition in those areas. A good autumn feed, really with your lawns at this time of year, like I said last week, get the zero on to control the moss and that gives it a lovely greening effect as well. And get on the lawn feed, the autumn lawn feed. They're the two key things to do. Any bare patches you can still reseed. Simply mix some green velvet lawn seed with some compost and brush it into the areas and it'll germinate in a three or four week period. Now somebody's wondering why did the flower heads on their African marigolds just rot as soon as they got to flowering this autumn? So African marigolds are they produce really really big heads of flower. Mm. Now they generally uh, flower from kind of the middle of June right through till August, September. Once we get into cold, damp weather, the flowers ball, what we call balling on where, where the flowers fa- fail to open and they simply just rot. Right. And if the African marigolds were planted late, so really they're a plant of the summer, they need the heat um, and like in Africa where they're grown they literally just throw the seed on the ground and, and, and they germinate and grow here in Ireland they're frost sensitive and they're weather sensitive as well and particularly when you get kind of cool autumn wettish weather you get the, what we call it balling whereas the flower fails to open it simply just rots down to weather conditions more than anything else so I'd say the plants were maybe planted a little bit too late you really need to be planting them out of doors about the second week of May they come into flower in mid-June they flower generally through to about the end of August early September and then they go off. Okay. So they're not as reliable. So like I said, the begonias, for example, they're still blooming because they flower in cool. They don't mind the wetness. They don't mind the cool temperatures. They flower until the frost hammer them back. Whereas other summer flowering plants, French marigolds or African marigolds, um, they need, or petunias, they need the heat. And once the heat goes. They're gone. <laughs> They're gone as well. Okay. They, they start to fade away. Somebody wondering about where have all the small birds gone? Well, I don't know well, about it's that. It's very important to feed, feed, them. feed garden birds mm. at this time of year and put in, up some nesting boxes. That's kind of the next project I'm thinking for Loch Lana. We're, we're going to uh, I'm going to talk to the, the, the Castlebar community group about doing uh, something around, you know, the building making of bat boxes and, and bird boxes and, and feeders and so on. And and uh, up at Loch Lana, the guys have actually put in a duck feeding unit. A duck feeding unit? A duck feeding. So there's beautiful mallards in Loch yeah. and teal and widgeon and, and oh, lots beautiful. of different beds. So they put in a little uh, per, uh, blue drum that they fill with oats I think it's oats or wheat, and the birds come and feed at it. Oh, fantastic! And off they go, and it keeps them in the area. In the area. When I was up there yesterday, there was there must have been a, at least a dozen mallard. They're gu- they're, they know they're guaranteed a meal. The food is across yeah. just across the, the the thing. So yeah, brilliant. So yeah, look, feed the birds feed this time of year. Yeah, and they, I, I think they're tipping around all the time. Yeah. To be honest, I've brought in my geraniums before any frost. Is it okay to repot them now? I've never any luck with them. Yeah, now the key thing with geraniums, these are the ordinary um, Mediterranean geraniums. Like I said last week, it's a great time of year to take cuttings of them and, and hold them that way. Mm. You can certainly repot them, but keep them quite dry during the winter. Again, like our friend the spider plant, if geraniums get too mo- mo- much moisture over the winter, they rot even indoors. So keep them quite dry. So either take them from cuttings, like I described before, mm-hmm. or repot them, but keep them semi-dry. Keep them on a bright windowsill, you know, washing them maybe once every six to eight weeks over the winter, just about keep them going. Going, keep them alive and, and then yeah, you know for next season Yeah we did talk about them quite a bit on the programme last we week so I would direct people maybe back to the back podcast, to the podcast. Exactly. If, you, if you've got time yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. all there yeah. Now how do we protect rhubarb over the winter? There's no need to protect it whatsoever. The rhubarb is perfectly happy out of, out of doors. The only thing you, you do is allow it to die back naturally and put a big dollop of pharma manure or mushroom compost or your own garden compost on top of it. I mean, at le- put at least a foot layer right on top of it and forget about your rhubarb then till next spring. 
Okay. Is there wild garlic and can it be gotten in garden centres and what are the uses of it? Can you buy comfrey roots yeah. and what are the uses of it? Well, come, well, first of all, wild garlic. So these are ransoms uh, and oh. I, you'd often hear me talking about them in, in April. Like, for example, down at the... Um, the uh, museum in Castlebar, there's loads of wild garlic. So you'll generally get in woodland areas, you'll get wild garlic ransoms. Now do remember it spreads a lot, so be careful where you plant in your garden. It self-seeds and it and it multiplies by underground bulbs. But it makes fantastic pesto in the springtime, particularly the young growth. The leaves can be ash, the flowers can be ash, and uh, it makes, you know, people use it for lots of culinary It's kind of, mo- it's a bit milder than uh, the, traditional, traditional garlic. Root that's, garlic, because yeah. you're yeah. eating the leaves of it, and it makes a fantastic yeah. um, pesto. So, um, generally it's, and, and you can go and forage for it. You don't need to necessarily have to go and, and uh, grow so, it yourself. Yeah. Most of the woods will have it, Tormacady Woods, or um, the woods around uh, um, the museum in Castlebar certainly have it. So, go out next spring and forage for it. No need to grow it in your own garden. In terms of comfrey, comfrey is generally used for, uh, it makes fantastic uh, fertiliser. Okay. So we grow it, we harvest the leaves, we put the leaves into water, into a, kind of an old bin with water. It makes it, dif- diffuses into the water, makes a, a soupy liquid, which then we feed back to plants. So comfrey is, a, and it's also a fantastic plant for bees because the flowers, the bees absolutely love comfrey and borage and those sort of oh, plants. So it's, it's quite quite a good plant to grow. Okay, now we have a photograph in Porrick uh, wondering about clumps of greenery, some of withered brown leaves from uh, some lovely pink spring flowering plants. Uh, I don't know what the name of it is, says the listener. Can it be cut back or do I leave it grow on? The clumps have all spread. Okay, so this is probably one Margaret. of my favourite plants. This is a plant and it and it looks nothing at this time of year. So the listener sent in a picture and it's green, and bits of yellow and bits of brown. It's the sort of thing you'd be thinking, she I might throw that out, okay. <laughs> get rid of that thing. So this is a plant called Celine, Raleigh's favourite. And it produces pink flowers normally about the end of February, early March, right through until midsummer. And particularly if you deadhead it on a regular basis, it just comes back into flower. It's a real cerise pink flower. You'll often see it growing on the side of the road you know, outside maybe a co- an old cottage house oh, or yeah. whatever. It's a real old garden favourite. So it's it, Red Campion is the common name for it or Celine Raleigh's favourite is the plant. I have quite a number of these in my, in my own garden. I absolutely love this plant. Very, very simple to grow. So what I do with it at this time of year, I actually get the lawn rake to it. You know, the, the springtime rake, mm-hmm. the rake we use for raking the lawn, not a toothed rake or not a vegetable rake, the, the rake that you use for kind of pulling moss out of your lawn. Get that and give the plant a good scarification with that. So really kind of drag the rake through it and Jizz tidy it up. it up. Jizz it up. And that will, it will kind of defoliate some of the old leaves. It'll clean up the plant and it'll help to kind of rejuvenate it. But it's a terrific little thing. Lovely plant. Brilliant. Celine Raleigh's favourite or Red Campion. It's perennial. It comes back year after year. Yeah. And it'll grow. It only grows in height about at maximum 18 inches, two feet yeah. um, and forms these clumps. It's a lovely little thing. Now, somebody's got a, a, a laurel plant, hedge planting project on the yeah, go here. Great. Uh, and every so often, one seems to die for some reason. It's planted about three years and it gets fed with Osmo regularly. Okay, well, your feeding was a really good, yeah. a really good first. And most of the plants are looking really healthy. There's a lot of grass and weeds around the yeah. base of the plants as well. So my advice would really be to tidy up the area. Get rid of the grass. See that one there? And, and no, ye- it's quite yellow as well. Yeah. And again, the ground could be quite heavy, quite wet. And again, a bit like beech, laurel dislikes 
um, heavy wetness mm. and you get this typical yellowing, particularly if the plants go quite yellow during the winter, that would definitely be a sign that the, the ground is too wet for them and you may need to drain some of the area, but also get rid of the grass. There's a quite a bit of grass and weed around the base of them and that's naturally, that's sucking up your Osmo fertiliser as well. So That's why uh, that's doing so yeah, well. So no feeding at this time of year. I would just check to see, it, it certainly is the indications to me that it might be a little bit wet. I'd also tip back the plants, trim them back a little bit. They're actually not, they're very healthy looking, but after three years, they should be actually growing a, bit a more. lot more developed than that. Um, so something is holding them back and my guess is actually, well, the weeds aren't doing it any favour first and foremost, yeah. but I think it's quite, it's quite open, the area, but it's also, I think it's quite wet. Okay. So maybe a little bit of drainage there. Okay, we've got a... There's your rose and flower. Oh, yeah, that looks great. Yeah. But we've got a boxes in front of it, I think, have we? And we have uh, a boxwood, yeah. yeah and I think it's gone too that's, far, that's, to be honest. That, that's go on, what's yeah. the way? Can I save this boxes or should I take them out? <laughs> take them out, out. I think. But right. look at the rose, rose at the back, there yeah. must be, uh, you know, six or seven flowers on it. And that's, you know, that's typically what I was saying. Just keep that maintained. But I, yeah, I'd remove the box where it's gone too yeah. far now. And the lovely lawn there as well. Yeah, really but, good. Yeah, lovely yeah, garden. Well done. Okay, we've got a couple more. Uh, these two fruiting plants are brought, were brought and uh, they're sho- sho- not showing any sign of fruit. We're closer to them. They look like yeah, blueberries we'll to me. get in there now, yeah, Bork. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've got some blueberries Definitely there. So, yeah, look, they're they're still relatively young plants, and they're begin the, the foliage is kind of going a, a reddish color now this time of year, which blueberries do. They tend to go off this time of year, and um, so look, leave them alone until springtime. Give them a feed. Maybe top up the. You could put a little bit extra compost into the top of the pots as well. And blueberries take a number of years to fruit, so it put, could be another year or two years for them to fruit but they will settle down and they fruit very well in tubs and containers. Okay here's I just want to mention this somebody uh, wants to share with you Boric. Uh So uh, it was in Horkins last Wednesday and I have to say the staff were fantastic particularly the girls in the Edinburgh Woolen Mills shop. So lovely to go to a shop and feel so welcomed and looked after. I'll certainly be back in the future. Oh, it's lovely to oh, hear. Yeah. I'd expect you. nothing less. Yes. Oh there you go. But it's, it's nice to be nice and it's nice to get we're, that we're recognition. We're always I'm, good for uh, telling people when we we're sure unhappy are. about things but it's also nice to and share. I pass that on yeah, when, I, when, when I go when, back later When we on. have a good experience. Yeah. Now, is it possible to take cuttings from this Cotoneaster, asks yeah, Peter? certainly, and a great time to do it, Peter, at this time of year. Take the cuttings six inches long, about pencil thickness, remove the leaves, leave one leaf at the top, dip it into the rooting gel and put it into a mixture of perlite and compost. Cover the bag with a with a kind of a butcher's bag or a white polythene bag. Put about maybe a dozen cuttings into the pot and leave them outside and they should um, initiate roots within six, seven weeks. Certainly by springtime, you've got yourself some new plants. Cotonia aster is a really simple plant to grow from seed, but also to grow from cuttings. Okay. And, uh, yeah, Yeah. I think... so we have, uh, again, mm. a poorly performing hedge, I think. Box hedge. I uh, planted it as a bare root in Feb. It looked fine in the summer. I trimmed it and then it has lost a lot of leaves on some or most of the plants in the last six weeks. What has gone wrong? Yeah, I'd say you've got oh. a little- You've got a bit. So first of all, you know, again, there's quite a bit of weed around the base. So tidy that all up. There is some new growth coming on the plants and I would treat them with the top boxes um, treatment, which is a, a little tub of tablets, blue tablets that you mix in water, you apply it to the foliage. That'll give them a foliar feed, but it'll also control any boxwood blight that might be on the plants. And they do look a little bit sickly. So I think they'd benefit from that. Okay. But do clean up the weeds as well around the base of them. 
Uh, if you're planting Portuguese laurel, how far apart do you keep each Asian plant? Inches, okay. Asian inches, yeah. And remember with Portuguese laurel, again, it's a plant that needs relatively good soil and it needs shelter. So don't don't be planting it out in a very exposed uh, location. I call it an urban hedge. An urban it's hedge. It's more suitable for... Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, urban, urban gardens. gardens or sheltered gardens yeah. in rural areas. Are they, and they just, they're kind of low, are they, Buxus? No, no, don't. I, I have a bo- uh, Portuguese laurel in the or garden that, that I, ha- I have never trimmed it and it's certainly 30 feet. Oh, right, <laughs> yeah. Tall And it's at least 15 feet in diameter. It's just right. a big blob of green foliage. Now, it's a lovely plant, a lovely plant, mm. dark green leaves, really dark green leaves, makes a super hedge. And you can keep it to six foot if you want or four foot or five Whatever foot by trimming. It's relatively yeah. slow growing. Um, but uh, but it does need relative shelter okay. as well so Great. give it that Okay one or two more quick ones before we finish up uh, wondering why some of my rose branches shoot up and never seem to grow evenly Well this this one is the flower carpet rose and this is yeah. Atypical of how it grows. Now, first of all, it's really healthy, so well done on that. It's yeah. really it's a beautiful fuchsia flowering in, in the, the back background. Yeah. Um, it has obviously finished flowering, so you, you should deadhead, take off any of the old flowers that are there. But roll, this carpet rose, that's typically how it grows. The ten, the roots, the shoots tend to grow vertical and then spread out. So it's a spreading rose, mm. carpet rose, as the name suggested. It's there to cover the ground, so you get that vertical growth first, and then it spreads out. So it's actually growing exactly how it should do. Um, if you want a more upright rose uh, you're better with something like Arthur Bell or Trumpeter or um, you know some of the the, the the regular roses as it were rather than the carpet rose so there's nothing wrong with that but it's actually in great terrific condition Okay and very finally and quickly I'm going to put mulch on an area around some apple raspberry gooseberry trees do I need to use a weed barrier under the mulch to suppress the grass coming through? Yeah, well, it's better if you use the mulch. Um, like the, if you're using bark on its own and it's sitting on the soil, naturally it's going to decompose a lot quicker into the soil. Or when you're physically walking yeah. in the area, you're pushing it into the soil. So it's always better to put the weed fabric. Don't use plastic, but use a weed fabric that will allow the moisture. And particularly when you're feeding the plants, it'll allow the fertilizer through. So put that down first and then put your bark mulch on top and you'll get a, a far better um, we control. Fantastic. We're going to have to leave it there. You're busy and you're shooting yeah, off. Yeah, I'm going to shoot now down to so 11 o'clock outside the Loch Lana gym and swimming pool. I'll be there for 11 o'clock. We've got 2,100 plants to plant and I'm looking for the, the children to come along and give me a hand. Okay, and I'm sure there'll fun. probably be some photographs and oh, stuff I'll like that. Oh, loads of yeah, photographs yeah, up. Yeah. Look, we're going to have great fun. Great, brilliant. It sounds like a super morning and good luck to everybody there. And thanks uh, to Porik for all his information and advice over the last hour. Final programme of the current season coming your way next week. So until then, have yourselves a super duper bank holiday weekend. Good morning to you.